Hi, this is Sarah Shepard. And this is Keith Hazen Deem. And, and this, this is Dungeons, Dungeons and Documentation. Documentation, a podcast where we explore information architecture through the lens of role playing games. Today, we'll be talking to Kelly and Laura, founders of Homebrew Coffee and Company. They're going to walk us through the coffee roasting process. In the second part of the episode, we're going to turn that process into a tool for DMs and GMs and maybe even players. We're going to be spitballing Dungeons and Dragons, sipping our coffee. So get your cup going and let's go. Cool. Well, maybe we can just start with you two telling us your story. How did you meet? Uh, so we actually met through streaming on, um, you know, a gaming platform, of course. Mm-hmm. And we realized there was a connection that was, ob- it, it, you know, it happened just so fast. Uh, we knew pretty much right away, or at least I knew right away, that this was something more and I am a travel nurse for my job. So I was actually able to get a contract near the Canada state's border. We made up a time to where I actually came up to visit her for a couple of days on my days Aww. off. And, <laughs> and yeah, it's, you know, been history since it's been almost a true. year. Yes, it's true. It has been almost wow. a year. Yeah. yeah. And uh, what game were you playing when, you know, sparks were flying? Oh, gosh. So we met because of streaming, but we met in like a streaming community on Discord. Okay. Um, we were yeah. both mods on Discord. What happened was it was just created and we were just mods on that server. And that's how we met. Um, but before that happened, she was the only person who could give access to the LGBT channel. So I... Uh, I, I slid into her DMs. Yes. Slid into her DMs. <laughs> I had other options. I could have messaged someone else, but I was like, oh, I'm going to message her. Uh, yeah. And then we literally just didn't stop talking yeah. from that point. Um, and so it wasn't necessarily a game. It was just, it was just, it's very organic. So you met and you met kind of during COVID was still going on. And from yes. the website, it sounds like you traveled together for a while before ending back in Canada. Well, yeah. we got tired of the border because of the whole COVID thing, right? Yeah. We weren't sure if it was ever going to open again, uh, if it yeah. was going to close again. Oh, we were waiting for that. For um, like, yeah. It felt like forever. It was only really a month and a half. Other couples had it way harder. Oh, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so because of a lot of that uncertainty, we yeah. were just like, you know what? This is working out great so mm-hmm. far. Let's just yeah. keep it going. Yeah. And now you two are converting a school bus. Is that right? Yes. We are. We are <laughs> converting a school bus into an RV home. And will you have a coffee roaster in this school bus? Yes. Yes, yes we will. So you will be a mobile D&D themed fresh roast coffee company yes. bus. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is correct. That's my yeah. new favorite thing. That's yeah. yeah, I think there's a oh, need yeah. for that. Yeah. No, I can actually imagine you guys rolling up in front of like the Penny Arcade Expo with your coffee and being like, the oh, bus cool. is here. That would be so yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. Totally. That would be awesome. Yeah, we'll meet you there. Let's do it. Yeah. We'll make it happen. <laughs> well, maybe we should, uh, you know, move the story from the great love connection to <laughs> homebrew coffee. So I've been roasting coffee for a while. And how did that start? I got into that because I fell in love with coffee from a young age. It just became a sense of security for me. And I really value like a good cup of tasting quality coffee and stuff. So I started to roast my own, started the air popping for a while. We have upgraded to a drum roaster kind of coffee for a more even kind of batch. And uh, 
I don't know. I was making some for a Christmas gift for my my Dungeons and Dragons party, all inspired by, you know, little inside jokes throughout the campaign session, right? Yeah. So things that we would all kind of get. And it's a little more special, a little more thoughtful than it's a little more cost effective as well. And it kind of turned out into what it is now. She what, thought of everything. Yeah. Nice. When she was putting the, the names together and, and stuff. She's like, oh, what should I what should I name like her, her, you know, her DMs coffee. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what if you call it homebrew? And then I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm like, this is a business. Light <laughs> and I got really excited because <laughs> I'm a serial entrepreneur and I, I love business development, brand development. It's my passion and the community development and all that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh my gosh, there's something here. Cause she's always wanted to do like a coffee shop in the future as a retirement dream. Yeah. And I was like, why wait? Yeah. Why retire? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I noticed on your website, you have a section about why fresh roasted coffee is better. Yes. And why yes. is, is that? Because it like when I get my bag of my can of Folgers, uh, <laughs> how is that different than a fresh roasted bean? So one thing that we have come to find is a lot of like store bought bigger brand names, you know, they buy a huge bulk um, for mass production. And in order to have a longer shelf life, um, studies have been shown to burn your coffee, essentially take out all the natural flavors of it. So it has a longer shelf life. And that a lot of times leads to more of a bitter taste that people associate (laughs) with coffee. Mm -hmm. Um, You'll notice like when you, if you get whole bean coffee, um, that's store-bought, it's typically oily. Mm -hmm. And that is an indication that it was burned. So that's oh like, my gosh. Right I, yeah. So I always look at like, ooh, it's nice and oily. Yes. <laughs> yes. Look yes. at the oils so dripping off that. of this. It's going to yeah. be so delicious. A lot of people think it's a good thing, but it <laughs> yeah. actually means that the coffee was burnt. That that's yeah. the flavors yeah. all just kind of gone. Yeah. Essentially. So like the bitterness of it. But yeah. And then also kind of like to tie into that whole, like, it's not as bitter. It's more, it's a little more, it's more smooth. Um, fresh roasted coffee is more smooth. So we, a lot of, our customers will come back and say, oh, and normally I put like a bunch of sugar and cream in my coffee. I ran out of sugar and I can still drink this and yeah. it tastes fine. Or I've tried this black oh. and it's still very smooth. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. They but, say actually a uh, fresh roasted coffee has more antioxidants than like blueberries and a lot of those other superfoods. Sure. So, oh, yeah. so yeah. Coffee is good for you if you yes. don't use sugar and it's fresh. Yes. yes exactly. Yes. Also yeah. in moderation. Yes. Everything in moderation. So we wanted to talk to you a little bit about that roasting process and how you sort of, um, I mean, I know that this, the sort of mass production process is, is kind of newer, it sounds like. So you're maybe working some things out still, but um, how you sort of create consistency in your product from like sourcing beans as well as, you know, in the roasting process itself. Before we can actually sell it, you know, we have to know the bean itself. Each bean, depending on region, elevation a lot of factors um depends on how it roasts um some beans like a hotter temperature some beans like a lower temperature you know it's all very finicky Mm. oven roasting is it's really hard to get right i mean you can do it and you just have to watch it and listen very carefully um but it's not going to be consistent you'll find some are you know maybe burnt in the middle or you know and really pale on the outside And that's where the air popper comes in Um, and has a fan that kind of creates, you know, a current, uh, a constant circulation. 
and it kind of helps with an even roast, but sometimes it's still not a hundred percent. And that's where the drum roasting comes into play. So it's always a constant circulation mm-hmm. with a constant source of heat going through. And that's how you get the most even roast. Cause I know when I did the fan roasting too, I would notice like maybe five to 10% of my beans would be, you know, a little paler or a little darker than what I really wanted. We, we keep track for each bean. Like we, yeah. we literally have a list of like the, you know, how long, like the specs that we need to roast it at basically so that we can get the same uh, result every time for every order, depending on the bean yeah. for, for medium, for light, medium and dark roast. Right. So it's mm-hmm. a process, especially when there's new beans and you know, the different roasting options, right. The drum roaster and the popper, the popper will use for smaller bags of coffee and the drum roaster will use for larger bags. The popper can hold a, a quarter and the, the drum roaster can hold up to a pound. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just yeah. to clarify, I mean, this is, we're talking fresh roasted coffee. So like an order comes in online and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. plug in the, the popper, or the, <laughs> the uh, roaster. Yes. We're going to, yeah. we're going to fire this up. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. These are all made to order. We have nothing oh that's like pre-roasted. Yeah. We, we literally get the order in and then we're like, okay, here's what we have coming up. Right. Um, we put it in the spreadsheet of yes. all of our orders. Yes. And then depending on if it's a whole bean or if it's a ground bean depends on shipping times too for mm-hmm. us, because not a lot of people like know this, but you know, that little valve on your coffee bag, uh-huh. like that, um, it's actually a degassing chamber. So it allows coffee is very high in CO2 content. So when it pops and turns from, it's actually green and then it turns to whatever color of roast you're going for. Mm-hmm. Um, it releases a lot of CO2 and that valve allows the CO2 to go out without a lot of oxygen coming in to, you know, prevent the bean from going bad longer. And it has to sit for 24 to 48 hours before it's technically drinkable because the CO2 content's just so high at first. Yeah. So basically if we get a whole bean or we can send that out sooner than if we get a ground bean order, yeah. because if it's ground, then we have to wait the oh, one to two days before hours. we grind it. Got it. Right? Yeah. Really, that's just to say sometimes orders take a little longer to get out. Because it is all made to order, right? So sometimes it does take up a few weeks to receive your order. Um, but that's kind of the what happens when it's two people running a co- like a made to order fresh roasted coffee business, right? Like it's that small business charm, I hope. Sure, yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, it's just the casting time of the roast is yeah, two exactly. weeks. It's ritual casting. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> when you talk about this specs for your beans, is that yeah. something your suppliers like, oh, hey, this bean comes from the Amazon and you're going to want to do X, Y, Z, or you're actually experimenting with these we, beans we each have, time? Yeah, we have to yeah. figure that out ourselves. Um, Sometimes we go through a pound of coffee before we really get it yeah, right. We've messed up a few times and we've been like, okay, well, this is a super light roast and you can't <laughs> re-roast the bean because it compromises the chemistry of it. Yeah. Do you then grind it and drink it? Like how far down do you go to get to these specifications? We go based on the the color and and the sound. It's actually a lot like popcorn. It will have what's called the first crack. And that's actually if you, you know, popcorn when it's popping in the microwave or whatever makes a loud pop. It's the same thing with a coffee bean. It makes that loud pop during its first crack. Then, you know, it's like hit a certain temperature. And then from that kind of, you can gauge where you're at in your roast. And each bean has a different, time that it takes to get to this first crack and then you know usually you have a limited amount of time between the first crack and what's called the second crack which is much quieter and more uh what's the word I'm looking for frequent 
And that's when, you know, you're getting like your dark roast and, oh, it may catch on fire soon. So you better stop this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So we've almost, uh, I've almost uh, caused a house fire a couple of times. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So Laura was saying that you have like a spreadsheet that's like what beans and then how long Mm -hmm. it takes and at one temperature to sort of get to that um, ideal roast or to get to different roasts, right? Mm -hmm. Because you are custom roasting each bean to light, medium, and dark as well. It's not Uh like, I mean, most coffee roasters, there's like this one bean we roast to light and this one bean is a dark roast and whatever. No, we roast each each one. one. Yeah. So so you've got this spreadsheet and the time, but it sounds like you're also going off of feel for every batch, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's so, it's so affected by many different things. Like, Mm -hmm. is it hot out today? Is it colder today? Cause we have to do it inside and being in Canada when we first came, you know, it's like winter. Mm -hmm. So there's snow on the ground. So I think we can just go outside with it. So we would have to leave windows and doors open and all of that can affect the heat that it needs. Yeah, that's fascinating. And how long does it take from start to finish when you pour the beans in and start the drum or the air popper? Is it pretty quick or is it like hours of roasting? And It's not hours. It really depends. If it's like a four ounce going into the popper um, and it really depends on if it's a light or a dark, then it's anywhere from six minutes to nine minutes. Yeah. It really depends. In the drum roaster, it's more like 12 to 15 minutes. Because it's a bigger batch. Because it's a bigger batch usually. It's also just a different process inside. Um, so the drum roaster typically takes longer, but you can get more done at once. And did the beans come to you already dried out? And so you go from this dry bean directly into the roasting stage? Yes. Okay. There's no other process in between that we have to do before. We, we can just get them and we can roast them as they are. Yeah. It's all on the websites we go to. It says how it was, you know, dried, how it was picked, you know, the flavor notes for it that you can potentially taste depending on the roast itself and the elevation it was at. It tells us a lot of information about the bean itself so we can make an educated choice. You have the coffee in there and you hear that first crack. Does it stay the constant temperature? Are you like, oh, now I'm going to adjust this temperature. I'm going to, I don't know. Can you slow the circle? Like, are there adjustments that are happening on the machine? So it depends on the bean. There are, I think we have like one or two beans that we have to play around with it partway through. Um, Like if you want to get a medium roast, it's very finicky. Mm -hmm. And when we're setting it up, there's a lot of different, for like the drum roaster, uh, it's a lot of different settings yes. that we need to play around with, depending on the bean. And then there for the for the for the popper, sorry, there's a um, it's literally like what power fan power, the heat power, and then the, the time. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's three options: time, temperature, circulation. Yeah. Yes. I'm going to develop a model for this. <laughs> Do like it. Start. <laughs> yeah. Start with bean at temperature. Uh-huh. A temperature uh-huh. that perhaps, you know, has worked in the past. Yes. yes. And then listen for the first pop. Yes. And make an adjustment. Yes. And repeat and until it. you have the end result that you want. That's so, right. Yep. Don't set the house on fire. Yes. Number one rule. And don't drink the coffee immediately. Yes. Because it's full of CO2. Yeah. And the flavor really will kill you. Develop. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I don't know. It probably doesn't taste good. I haven't gotten that far. <laughs> So there's a, there's a long rest 
that yes. happens. Yes, there is a long rest yes. that happens. Yeah. A very long rest. And then, yeah, you can, the flavors start to develop the more it rests sometimes mm-hmm. just from yeah. all the CO2 expanding and getting out. And then, yeah, you're able to grind it up how to your desired preference mm-hmm. and then drink it. I'm curious how you maintain consistency in, in sourcing beans. So like, are you able to maintain consistency and being able to source the same beans from the same growers? Do you find that you have to like change your product based on what sourcing that you're able to maintain? When we first got to Canada, we had issues with sourcing the same bean only because the shipping costs were like outrageous. Yeah. It almost didn't make like any sense. Bucks. Like we, we, we waited all out and we we're like, no, that doesn't leave us like that kind of leaves us almost in the red. So it didn't really, as a business, make any sense. So we had to switch our beans and that was the only reason why. Mm -hmm. Um, But other than that, we can source, we've had no issues so far in sourcing beans from the same place. Um, And then we also prioritize, like it's very important to Kelly and I that um, the beans we get are, it's really hard to get all three certifications of organic, fair trade and rainforest certified Mm -hmm. so we try our best to prioritize fair trade and rainforest alliance certified Uh, those are very very important to us so if it's not one it's 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 one of those two or it's both the last thing that i'm kind of curious about is your the stats that you put on your on your beans so you got a strength (laughs) strength con deck stat on each of your beans so so tell me about the stats on the on the beans like what's the what's the rationale behind that Uh, The rationale behind that is that we wanted to make a kind of like character sheet for each roast. Mm -hmm. Those, those numbers have no meaning. Oh, okay. The actual (laughs) themselves. What? I know, right? I mean, I I spent a minute trying to figure it out. I was like, whoa, what does this mean? And I was like, I can't believe they reinvented the wheel of coffee. They're not even going to do like, I didn't realize initially you had medium roast. And I was like, I'm supposed to understand the system. That's no, no. no. Um, Kelly and I just thought it was really fun. We literally sit there and we roll for every single one. So the legit. Oh, nice. Yeah. Like, you see. roll for the yes. the bags character sheets. Yes, yes. we do that. <laughs> uh, it's very fun for us, and uh, yeah, but they hold no bearing really as far as meaning toward the roast. Dang, uh, Sacred Flame has an eighteen strength, nineteen con, and eighteen decks. You should Those check out Elgin's Dragon. I would like. It has dice. the worst stats ever. <laughs> That's good to know. So, so the yeah. stats are not necessarily how the coffee indicative of how the coffee no, tastes. No. It's just how they no, would perform the in in the game yeah. of D anD. We wanted to present it in the most D anD D anD D way we could. A character sheet just made sense to us. I have a question. Yeah. Does it matter? Because I have a personal dispute with someone I won't name. Does it matter? If I grind all my beans at once because it's easier and put them in an airtight container, or should I be hand grinding them every morning and putting it in my stupid pour over? Like how how much does that final, like the the user can control that step, right? Which is uh, I'm going to grind or not grind and how I'm going to brew it. So how does the brewing and the grinding affect the end flavor? And does it, because I'd like you to say that it doesn't. (laughs) Well, I will say um, the longer it's a kept in a whole bean, the better it will hold on to its flavor. But if you drink it, you know, I don't know how fast you drink your coffee or how big of a bag you buy. Uh, it you don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, it will preserve the flavor and the freshness of it longer. Um, typically, coffee is um, only fresh 
after it's ground for like seven to 14 days or something. I think 14 is a little gracious, but it's really, it's a short shelf life span. Um, yeah. yeah, very short shelf life, which is why we do it per order. Um, but typically, yeah, if it's holy and it's better, but it's your preference. It is your preference. I personally grind everything at once because yeah. I'm lazy and I don't feel like grinding our coffee every time in the morning. And what about the brewing <laughs> method? You know, French press, pour no. over, drip, Keurig machine. Yes. Um, that does make a difference. Uh, but again, that part of that's on the, the person's preference. Like I personally can't stand a Keurig machine. I feel like it waters my coffee down um to where it's just like brown water I like my coffee strong though it's gonna come after you yeah (laughs) (laughs) I like my coffee stronger than most people though right like most people will do like a one scoop to two cup of water kind of ratio I do more of a one-to-one oh Um, my gosh yeah so like that's that's my preference but french press and pour over uh, I find I like pour over. I don't have a pour over, but I, I like the yeah. method. It's it's really, really smooth. To me, that's the best method. Yeah. I move a lot, so I can't afford, you know, space is a luxury. I can't have all these things whenever we would move. Yeah. I live out of my car. Yeah, we just have a French press. Yeah. So we have a French press and then we use whatever machine that the place we're staying at has. If I am working, you know, like one day I will prep my coffee for the morning on the drip machine because it's just more convenient. I just kind of want to grab and go at that point. But like when I'm not working, we will do more of a French press and we are looking at getting a pour over. But right now with the bus space is a luxury again. So it really just depends. Yeah. Final question. Does it affect the flavor? How grind grounded, grinded, how finely grinded (laughs) my beans are? Ground. I think. Uh, well, ground. Keith, help me out. <laughs> that just depends on the on how you're brewing it. Yeah. So it could, if you choose like a French press grind, and then you put it in your Keurig machine. Yeah. Right. Because it's more, it's uh, yeah. thicker. So it's, it's more coarse. Because it's thicker. So is the the more coarse your grinds are, you would want to do a French press, and then you know your regular grind, which is just kind of not super powdery, but powdery enough that it, it's going to be in a filter. And a drip coffee, and then of course here, espresso is overly oh, fine. Yes. It is and like yes. dust, yes. kind of fine because it has to run through so fast that it has to just be able to go through the beans. It's so fast yeah. at a high temperature, so it needs to be like dust essentially in order for the water to even go through. So yeah, it really depends. And if you have like a really fine kind of grind for like a French press. That's how you get like that muddy mm. kind of coffee, mm-hmm. you know, that the, like, the, the grind that just sit at the bottom yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it, it kind of, it, it can factor in. Yeah. Awesome. Well, this has been great. I've learned about coffee. I mean, I like coffee. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't necessarily, you know, pretend to be a coffee connoisseur. I ordered some of your beans, so I'm super excited yes, for that. Yes, we saw that. Oh, We're nice. working yeah. on it right now, right before the interview, actually. Oh, hopefully not right now, because <laughs> no. there might be Your house popping. is on fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so, yeah, I'm only sad that I didn't get to try it before we talked. But, you know, we'll we'll see you at PAX, and then we can yeah, yeah. We'll hang yeah, out. Yeah, can always come back. <laughs> yeah, there Follow you go. Up. <laughs> mm-hmm. What's your dream a year from now? If we were to check back in with you, what would be happening? You've got uh, your bus, maybe. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We would be living full-time in our bus, because that's the plan. In a year from now, hmm, 
I don't know about a year from now, but several years from now, our goal is to have a, a brick and mortar yes. shop where we get, again, just a bunch of different collaborators coming in to help us build this TTRPG, you know, space, but also keep it kind of nice looking for those people that don't play, but still enjoy coffee. Yeah. yeah. Nerdy chic is what yes. we're going after. <laughs> Love that. Nerdy That's chic. kind of what I'm going for. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Listening to boring information. No, about it was coffee. not boring at all. <laughs> oh, it was not. I am I am working on a diagram right now. I saw me. you taking a flow notes. chart. Yeah. yeah. So I'm gonna already. send it to you guys and you can give me a revision because I feel like it's a flow it. chart for coffee. Uh that obviously we're going to translate to DMs. Yeah. Oh, it can Perfect. easily be translated. Like what, what is the first crack that a DM mm-hmm. listens to that lets them know oh. the party's about to catch on fire? Ooh, <laughs> Ooh yes. yes. Is it, I feel like it's when the table gets really silent or mm-hmm. someone like falls to one hit point and everyone's like, oh, first crack. Oh, first crack. Oh, I'm going to fucking like dark roast you. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm loving all this lingo. Yeah, Yeah, this is great. Well, I feel like I should be brave and try fresh roasted coffee because, (laughs) you know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give up my my 10-pound Kroger bag (laughs) that I keep in the freezer and I'll try it. There's nothing wrong with that. Great. Well, this episode of Dungeons and Documentation was brought to you by Keurig. So thanks to our sponsor. <laughs> Making brown water since 1994. Yes. I love it. Great. Well, thank you. We're going to have, we're going to link to Homebrew Coffee and Company's website on yep. this episode page and their social. Follow the social if you want to see the animals because they make appearances, at least one thank of the you. dogs. Yeah. Yes. Oh, all uh, the time. Yes. Yeah. So you'll get coffee, you'll get animals, and you'll get D&D content. Yes. Uh, and, you know, the adventures of a Canadian and an American who could moderate a chat channel, but not their affections for one another. <laughs> I think it's wow. going to be a Hallmark oh, movie. Yeah. Wow. Well, I lot about coffee in that talk. I mostly learned that I drink terrible coffee because my coffee is super oily. It is Kirkland Signature House Blend. It's been in the freezer. Then I unfreeze it. I thaw it. It sits on my counter. I put it in a drip machine. Yeah, I mean, I I don't drink great coffee, but even I know to avoid at least half of those things. <laughs> you do French press. I do do French press. Yeah. That's just all the way, which is crazy because you get up so early in the morning. I would think you would do an automatic drip machine. No, be waiting for you because the automatic drip, every automatic drip machine I've ever had just gets disgusting. That adds to the flavor. It's like, <laughs> no, not in a good way, in a terrible way, just in like a moldy, yeah, you gross way. Put the vinegar in and do the cleaning. Yeah, cycle. no, I've done that and it never works. So I use the French press. I grind it. I wake up. I grind it. I pour it. I go take a shower. I let it get filthy in a wow. good way. Yeah, it's really strong by then. Yeah, and then I and then I press it, and I'm ready for my morning cup. It's perfect. All right. Well, I made a diagram which I shared with you on about this roasting process that Kelly and Laura shared with us. Yeah. So I'm going to put that up on the blog. You can see the coffee roasting, and let's turn it into a Dungeons and Dragons tool. Yeah. So I think the thing that we uh, fixed onto from this conversation is this idea of the like first crack 
and the second crack. Yeah. You don't always get a second crack if you're going for like a medium or a light roast. You'd stop shortly right. after the first crack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that idea of listening. And Keith has been telling me that people should listen more to one another, <laughs> not calling out any individual people. Uh, so that idea of like, okay, as a DM, I should be actively listening to my players. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so you've you've got your plan, right? So they, you know, they talked about how they have a plan. They've, For the coffee, they've trialed yeah. it, mm-hmm. you know, they're probably trialing a little more than you might trial your adventure or your campaign or whatever. But they've got a plan. They know how long they're going to aim for, at what temperature they're going to aim for. But there's all these other factors that can interfere. So really, when it, what it comes down to is you got to listen. And you got to know what you're looking for. The first crack could be all that you want to get to. You know, maybe you're trying to set up an, an adventure that's not going to stress everyone out. It's a light roast. <laughs> a light roast. Yeah, exactly. Or you want to do sort of a more puzzle-heavy adventure or something like that where... It's not necessarily going to be as threatening to the party, but you do want to hit a point where, you know, there's going to be stress. Otherwise, it's just not interesting. Yeah, it's interesting that when you're roasting coffee, you're drying the coffee out, so you're applying heat. Mm -hmm. Sort of like as a DM, you're applying pressure, Mm -hmm. which you could do in a lot of ways. I think a lot of that storytelling, but Mm -hmm. then also monsters or environments that you choose. Yeah, monsters or, you know, we talked about in previous episode, time, introducing mm-hmm. an element of time um, to the campaign. Yeah. So what's the crack as a DM? And does it change depending on what your encounter is? Yeah, I think it absolutely does. And would you know what you're listening for? Right. Well, one of the things that I try and look for in a good adventure is, is everyone using their abilities? You know, your daily... Uh, your long rest or short rest abilities, um, are you actually sort of depleting that store of what you can do? So the first crack is you've used all your spell slots. No, that's like the second crack. <laughs> yeah, I think second crack is like, second crack is somewhere around you've used all your spell slots and multiple people have died. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of pressure and it's great. That's and like, actually I feel like the crack then is that defeated silence at the table where people are like, oh shit. Right, right. <laughs> that's the dark roast yeah yeah but the first crack could be i'm sort of thinking like oh right i want them to discover that this npc is a is a bad guy and i'm going to set up the story and they're moving along and i'm applying some pressure with like clues and maybe they like do some checks and realize that things aren't as they seem and then it's not necessarily a sound that i'm listening for it's a realization that's the first crack mm-hmm. and then that jumps them into combat I mean, I've been thinking of the crack as like uh, where you want to get to in the campaign. So that's like that example you gave seems like even before the first crack. Maybe. Mm, it's like pressure building. Right. Because yeah. in, in the diagram of coffee roasting after the first crack, the stage is called development. Uh-huh. So it's sort of like things are, everything's great, la-di-da-da-da, crack, development. Sure. So, yeah. so I'm thinking like, oh, we're at a feast, everything's great. Oh my gosh, this person is actually a lich. We've been hunting, disguised. Yeah. And then I'm developing. And then in the process of development and coffee roasting, it's happening really, really quickly. Like mm-hmm. every five to 30 seconds, you're looking. And as Laura, or maybe it was Kelly explained, if you walk away, is on fire. Right. Yeah. Then so, all of a sudden, you're, you're through your second crack and you're yeah. on fire. And like thinking about being a dungeon master 
and the first crack happens, it's like then you're like, oh, shit, now I've got the initiative, like roll for initiative. Like things are really happening and quickly and I'm keeping track of a lot of things. Yeah. So I was thinking of the I was thinking of the first crack a little more as like, uh, where do you want to where are you starting to stress your players? Mm -hmm. Right. Where is the pressure actually on? Because just getting into combat or whatever isn't really like a, a point of stress. It's sort of. It's more about like you know finding where the campaign is going to be done rather than where you're actually engaging the players. That's that's sort of what, more what I was thinking about. Interesting, like the campaign, so, your entire campaign. No, like, several? like the like an adventure. Okay, yeah. so you're I mean, sitting you, down to run a game, and you know you want to get to a certain. You could think about it in the in the terms of a campaign as well, too, especially if it's like a very harrowing setting, and there's sort of like a attrition element going on like a you know out of the abyss kind of thing but uh, i was I, I i meant to say adventure um so i you know i was kind of thinking of like you know if you're looking at a very combat heavy adventure like the first time someone drops to zero hit points could be the first crack right this is this is real stress being applied to the party and maybe you don't want to push it too much further beyond that that makes sense like you can yeah. go a little further to finish it out but you don't want to keep you, you know you don't want to have more more cracks of more people you know dropping to zero hit points because yeah. then you might get into the second crack and they talked a little bit about how that first crack and that second crack can kind of blend into it each other um and you really only know it by the different type of sound yeah i like that because it's sort of you know, if I'm going to prepare the same session multiple times for different player groups, I would know I'm going right. to do a light roast this time. I'm only going to kill a couple players and then the monster will run away or whatever. Yeah. But a dark roast would be something, you know, for the hardcore players, the players that know that it, this is, it can be fun. Sure. Yeah. Lose. Where you're really like trying to get to the edge or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that this is something that's really important maybe in like, um, pre-written campaigns, you know, because um, in a in a homebrew campaign, like we talked about with Jason, um, but we talked about that sort of like you know building for your party technique. If you're doing that well, then you should be able to build an adventure pretty reliably that's going to be challenging for your party without overdoing it. I think you still have to listen, but I think it's really easy in some of the in some of the pre-built campaigns to introduce an element earlier than it was sort of originally intended by the writers of the campaign or have players entering a scenario that was like intended for a lower level party mm -hmm. where you really need to up the pressure a little bit where you're not here in that first crack. And so you need to find a way to raise the ante a little bit more. I'm thinking about a group of people I've been playing D&D &D with for a long time. So I know them really well and I kind of know what the crack is. Like, mm -hmm. I know what's going to be just right. Like, if I can get the fighter down to zero and the spellcasters used up his, his spells, it's going to crack the party. But I also know I've got this great druid, and she's so creative. It's going to give that pressure. She's mm -hmm. going to think of some ingenious. Or, you know, other players will as well. Like, okay, I've got this item in my inventory. I'm going to try to lasso the dragon. And, and that's when it's the best. Because mm -hmm. yeah. you feel the pressure as a player. And then as the dungeon master, like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen. You know, like, because, <laughs> and then you're just kind of doing the part where you're like watching very attentively at the roast and you can adjust it because yeah. you're very actively engaged still. Right. Totally. And I think that's part of making, I mean, that's part of making adventure fun for your players, right? Is yeah. That you want to have it be hard 
but you don't want it to have you you don't want it to just kill everyone <laughs> yeah and that's i think that's what i don't like about some styles of dungeon mastering where it's sort of like you're against the players and you want to try to kill them there's some adventures that are written that way like tomb of annihilation uh-huh. that don't have an i'm not as interested in playing that because it feels like you're buying a bag of really nice coffee beans and then just setting them on fire like yeah. What is totally. the result of why are we doing this? It's to, it, the experience is what you're going for, and it's for everybody. Right. And well, ultimately, you know, the DM is analogous to the Lord Almighty. So if the, if you want to kill your players as a DM, you really don't have to try that hard. You, you know, you take you take forty damage. <laughs> yeah. Fireball. Yeah. I think the trick the trick though is to set up challenges that are an appropriate level and then play them in a difficult way. Right. Yeah. So I have fallen short. I think sometimes, especially in combat, where I don't, I don't get enough into the headspace of trying to oppose my players, and so I don't play the the NPCs in combat as with as high a difficulty as is really appropriate for them. I mean, I think it's because I'm too sympathetic of a of a DM sometimes, and I want my players to win and I want them to have fun. And sometimes I forget that part of the fun is having that challenge. Mm -hmm. Feeling frustrated. And as a coffee roaster, you wouldn't stop roasting the beans because you feel bad for them. Like, you know, they've got a crack to get to their potential. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just helping you get to your potential, players. (laughs) You fall to zero hit points. Yeah, exactly. And then riding that edge just right. Like, if you do want to get to a dark roast, you know, really find that sort of sweet spot of challenge then you know you really do have to know how to to ride that edge well mm-hmm. without you know going over going too far what about the degassing stage it's sort of like oh okay i oh, took like, them all the way to the dark roast and now yeah but you do need a degas well you stage. need that op- could be like the you gotta have an opportunity for a long rest yeah in there. that's like that yeah. is a long rest or even time between sessions like wow they got really heavy yeah or building I mean, especially if we're talking about combat, building your combat encounters such that, you know, you have, you sort of get them to this place of of that high difficulty, but then you have a respite area where they can get a long rest and then, you know, be regenerated for whatever the next challenge is. Yeah, and I've definitely watched some games on the internet where maybe the DM almost like lit their players on fire, metaphorically, right? Like they took it so far and the players just get like hopeless and and like, oh, a portal opens and you can rest in the astral plane. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, I can think of a couple examples of that as well, where there's sort of like a deus ex machina Yeah, and they're like, fuck, I got nothing. I'm dead, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the interesting things I think as a DM is maybe to build that option into your especially very challenging encounters you know either having like another having an out for the monster so like having a monster who perhaps isn't really interested in killing the players they're just like fighting them because they're they're being fought you know and then you know maybe they're just trying to get away mm-hmm. we you know we just had that dragon encounter recently that that we talked about previously that was like that the dragon was just flying away and we were trying to stop it so we were working very hard and And part of the part of the fun yeah part of the fun of that was we knew that you know if we like pushed too hard and died that or you know dropped to zero hit points as long as someone was alive to like to stabilize everyone we wouldn't 
party wipe because the dragon was just trying to go away. Yeah. Right. So failure in that sense was not necessarily as high of a risk, which was a lot of fun because then we could take really dumb risks and, you know, try and, you know, climb up ropes and fly through the air and, you know, ride the dragon, so to speak. Yeah, that was great. And I feel like the DM in that situation, who's a lovely man, uh, <laughs> also understood that, like, okay, you guys are getting kind of cocky, so breath weapon, right? Like, kind of, yeah, let's, yeah, sure. let's have some consequences to this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well done, DM. Um, I wonder if there's a non-combat, sort of analogous non-combat. So, like, I'm, one of the things I've been thinking about recently is the... Um, What's the witch light one called? Wizard. Wild Beyond the Witch Light. I can't believe you couldn't remember the name of that. Yeah. So God. So like Wild Beyond the Witch Light, which is designed to be able to get through without actually fighting anything, right? At um, least the first part. Yeah. But the first part is is a kind of a nice slow roast. Uh huh. Where it's all kind of you're finding clues that the circus is not what it seems. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, there's total freedom freedom for the the person who's running it to decide when they're going to go into the next realm. Like, is it because they, you know, they could spend days at the carnival. You can come back for a week. Yeah, sure. And kind of explore it and take your time. Right. But then there's the trick of sort of like making that challenging, you know, like keeping that sort of challenge of that initial part high, Mm -hmm. getting people to use their spell slots and things. I mean, I think the trick as a player, you always try and keep something in reserve, mm-hmm. right? For like, oh, is something going to happen? Yeah. <laughs> Got to keep that third level slot. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah a non-combat roasting. Well, I just keep thinking about the same thing, which is like a RP session in which something is revealed. Uh-huh. Preferably something that you've spent a lot of time on. Sure. Like a, the ex-girlfriend comes back or like I'm currently working on this delicious roast for my players where a previously dead PC has been resurrected as like, you know, the bodyguard of a lich and they're going to have to kill him again. Yeah. It's going it. to be great. Yeah. I mean, maybe they won't care. They'll be like, okay, he's a zombie. But so I'm, I'm working on that. Right? Yeah, no, How am so I going to get to the first crack in that? It's like, oh, a dark figure y- yeah, totally. stumbles into the ill-lit tomb. Right. Yeah. Familiar boots, you know, build that crack. Like, oh, my God. But yeah, I think I'm getting a little more. Now I'm understanding a little better what you were trying to get at there. So when you, that first crack is that, like, realization. Yeah, it's an audible crack. And it's, it's the, and the player's being like, <gasps> Yeah, it's the light bulb yeah. appearing Ding. above their head. And yeah. that light bulb causes the rapid development phase to happen because suddenly they're like oh my gosh what i thought was going on in this rp is not change course right get out of here he's gonna combat or moving into the next sort of phase of the adventure or whatever yeah yeah Yeah, or that could also be environmental like a sudden realization that the walls in this chamber have been moving closer and closer to you yeah and then you got to get out I am imagining a worksheet where you would identify what the crack is in your session, a point that you're trying to get to during that day's game. And then from there, you would work on either side of it. So if you know, I want them to fight this monster, Mm -hmm. then on the development side, you might note things about the monster to remind you, oh, the monster has a special ability. I'm going to keep that pace. I'm going to try to take down some players. Mm Mm-hmm. Show no mercy, but the monster is actually just defending its clutch of eggs and it will go away if the players move. And then on the other side, how am I going to get to that first crack 
what I'm going to put in there to entice them. I also think it'd be fun to make an adventure about a coffee roaster in D&D. Yeah. Because I'm, there's lots that there. Like, oh, I need you to get the beans. Or, oh, when I roasted the beans, a demon came out of them because the beans were containing it. And when it hit the first crack, yeah. <laughs> it, it released the demon. Yeah, I've actually been thinking about that um, in the few days since we recorded the first part of this. I've been thinking about how you could set up an adventure or like a coffee roasting adventure. Well, because then they said, now I can't remember, but they had like all their stuff stolen or something, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, they had their identity stolen. Their online shop was hijacked. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you could roll into that, you know, campaign having your online shop stolen or the equivalent of your online shop. Yeah. Or like a coffee roaster could come and say, I need your help. The customers are complaining about my roast, but it turns out the customers are brewing the coffee terribly wrong and you just have to educate them. (laughs) Yeah. End of the adventure. Yeah. It'd be great for an acquisitions incorporated setting. uh, It would. Yeah. Coffee. I really want coffee now. Yeah, me too. But I've already had too much and, you know, my legs jiggling under the table furiously. (laughs) Dungeons and Documentation is a production of Keith and Sarah's Free Time. Our executive producer is Oslo Cobblepot. Theme music is by Ian Post. Underwriting provided by Shepherd Creative Services. You can find us online at dungeonsanddocumentation.com, dungeondocs.com, or dungeondocs.com. You can find Homebrew Coffee & Co. at thehomebrewcoffeehouse.com. You can also find them on Instagram and see very cute videos of their pets. So definitely worth the follow. You can also look in our show notes for links to their website and information. We will be posting how to roast your players in our blog. So take a look for that in the blog in the freebies section of the webpage. This episode of Dungeons and Documentation is brought to you by Pour Overs. Are you pretentious? Do you want your guests to wait 15 minutes while water drips painfully slow through beans that taste like a baby's diaper? Then Pour Over is for you. This episode of Dungeons and Documentation is brought to you by the excellent coffee that I make at my house. Don't come to my house and complain about the coffee. Yeah, I mean, you know, my philosophy on coffee and anything, really, is if you can enjoy the cheap stuff, that's great. And if you can also, like, enjoy the expensive stuff, that's even better. But if you ruin yourself for the cheap stuff, then you've just ruined your whole life, basically. Sort of applies to prostitutes. (laughs) That's correct, yeah. (laughs) A $5 whore. Got syphilis.